Hello, and welcome to Nostalgia Arcana. I'm your host, Doug Leaf. Each episode of this podcast, we'll look back on the movies, TV, games, people, and phenomena that we still love talking about all these years later, and ask ourselves why these bits of pop culture still enchant us today. This week, we'll be revisiting... Attend the tale of Sweeney Todd His skin was pale and his eye was odd He shaved the faces of gentlemen Who never thereafter were heard of again He trod a path that few have trod Did Sweeney Todd A demon barber of Fleet Street He kept a shop in London town of fancy clients and good renown. And what if none of their souls were saved? They went to their maker impeccably shaved. By Sweeney, by Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. There was a barber and his wife. And she was beautiful, a foolish barber and his wife. She was his reason and his life, and she was beautiful, and she was virtuous, and he was naive. So begins the tale of Sweeney Todd, who shaved the faces of gentlemen who never thereafter were heard of again. Um, this is a really cool Halloween topic to do. I'm super excited to talk about this because um, this is just one of the all-time legendarily great musicals uh, deriving from an all-time legendary boogeyman. So I'm, I'm real excited to, to dine on this one. Uh, and to help me do it, um, she is uh, one of our frequent guests from our prior podcasts. Uh, she is the host of her own show, Coming Out Pod. You've seen her on TV in shows like Wild and Out and Another Period. Uh, so here she is for you, eminently practical and yet appropriate as always, Lauren Flams. Oh my goodness. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. You, sir, have the voice of an angel. Oh my. What is that? Why have I never heard you sing before? Really? Did you, oh, did you, you... do musicals in like school and stuff? Were you a singer? What? Um, yes. I, <laughs> I did do musicals in high school. I actually thought I got better at singing after that. Um, that was sort of like, I, I sort of could sing and it was sort of me going, well, I know how to do impressions, so I'm going to do impressions of notes. And kind of turn that into oh, into a song, God. Yeah, I and that. and then uh, later on, like as I got older, I like actually kind of worked on it a little more. And uh, I think you have heard me sing because uh, Lauren's also uh, a cast member of Lost Moon Radio, so I'm sure at some point you heard me do a uh, do a song or two with uh, the live band karaoke that goes on after the show. I'm those sure shows. I've heard you do karaoke, but just now that was a beautiful. I never know guys' voices if that was a baritone or a tenor, but whatever it was, it was lovely. And that was just very well done. Thank you. Yeah, usually I think I'm a tenor. Um, so, Lauren, you, uh, I approached you about doing Sweeney Todd because I, you know, one, it's Halloween time, and I know you're a big Sondheim fan. Um, from uh, when you were on our old show, we talked about Assassins, which I, I know you love. Um, so let's, yes. let, but let's, uh, let's dig into Sweeney Todd. Where, where does your, uh, you know, tell me about your history with it. Oh my goodness. Um, okay. When I was growing up, I think like high school age, we had a video 
that was probably off of like PBS or something. And it wasn't the original, original cast. I think it was like the second cast. I also, I need to preface this. I have a very like Rain Man memory. So I will say a lot of like very specific things and names and stuff. Um, But I didn't like double check this or look any of it up. This is just going from my memory. But we had a video. It was Angela Lansbury, of course. But then it wasn't Len Carew. It was it was George Hearn in the Sweeney Todd role, and I believe he replaced Len Carew. So this was like the second cast, and then it wasn't Victor Garber. It was Chris Groendale. Um and then I feel like all the other major players were maybe original cast, but those like that's who I remember. And the thing about this video that to this day haunts me is it didn't, it cut off the end. It was like either someone had taped over the end or like the tape ran out, but I can visually see in my mind the exact part where the video ended. So like to this day, I've never seen the end of the show from that particular video, <laughs> which did was it, like did, So did it get to the twist? <laughs> like there's a twist at the end. Did you get it, to see that? No, it didn't Aww. get there. I mean, I knew, I had the soundtrack. I knew it by heart. I knew it all, but it was always very frustrating when I would watch the video because I would watch it often that it would, it ended like at some point during the like city on fire, like montage bit at the end where everything's like chaos. So we lost like a good 20 minutes of the end. Uh, But still, I feel fortunate that I was able to see any of this video because I don't feel like most people grew up with like, you know, a PBS recording of Sweeney Todd the way I did. Um, but yeah, so I watched that video a great deal. How old? I knew the soundtrack back and forth. How old was I or how old is the video? No, how old, how old were you when you first encountered Sweeney Todd? I'm saying high school. It might have been middle school, but I think it was high school. Like my parents introduced me to Sondheim very early for sure in middle school, but that was like... Sunday in the Park with George, I got really early. Into the Woods, I got super early. And we saw it on Broadway twice when I was a kid. Oh, I'm dating myself. I don't, whatever. Who fucking cares? Um, but I only lie about my edge of my own podcast. This one, I can be real. Um, but Sweeney Todd, like, my mom, my mom was the big Sondheim fanatic. My dad is like, whatever. Uh, my mom liked Sweeney Todd, but wasn't like a diehard fan the way she was for like Sunday in the Park with George. So I came to Sweeney Todd a little later. I think I might have discovered it on my own. I mean, they clearly were the ones who taped the video. So it's not like I like, you know, went to a library and found it. Like, (laughs) I don't mean I discovered on my own in that sense, but I think it wasn't as present as other Sondheim musicals were. Um, But once I did discover it, high school was when I vividly remember like we would have not like party parties, but like nerd theater kid parties in high school. And I do remember us singing Sweeney Todd, like, and just priding ourselves on like the fact that I could do uh worst pies in London, like the Mrs. Lovett part and all the little intricacies of that song. I remember just being like, so fucking proud of that as I should have been. That's a difficult song, especially for a high schooler. But like, that was where we, in high school, it was one of the popular musicals that we would like, sing amongst ourselves so pretty much high school age for me with Sweeney Todd see I can relate to all of that because I, I was a theater kid too uh, <laughs> yeah. I I talked about this on on the show god it was a year ago now um it was the last time we really did a musical but I on our second episode I talked about uh, Phantom of the Opera which was ground zero for my love of theater that my parents okay. took me to see that my parents took me sure. to see that when I was eight and uh, that's we, a popular one yeah 
and actually share some of the same people as this in terms of like production, like they, people who worked on Sweeney Todd, especially Hal Prince, would later go on to <gasps> produce Phantom, which is why I think they are kind of of a piece, even though they're musically a little different. They're both horror musicals, so you can kind of see the vibe. Um, but somehow Sondheim eluded me. Um, I obviously knew who he was um, because he's a luminary, but it wasn't his work was not something that was being sung by my cadre of theater nerds. Um, okay, I, I kind of yeah, and I think I saw one production of Sunday in the Park with George uh, at, at some point, but it didn't it didn't click with me. And I remember thinking his music is, and I mean correctly, his music is a little odd and and not you know very complex For and sure. Yeah, it's not easily accessible, um, and so... No, which it, is why yeah. I love it. Like, if you're a pretentious high schooler, Sondheim is, like, perfect for you. And I was very... And to this day, I'm very pretentious. So I'm like... And, like, Andrew Lloyd Webber was, like, scorned in my house. Like, I've never seen Phantom. I've obviously Aww. heard the classics from it, because you can't avoid it. But, like, my parent, Well, my I say my parents. This was all mostly my mom. Like hated Andrew Lloyd Webber was like that man is like a hack like but I know we also like saw cats when I was a kid so like I don't you know like I don't know but she she was all Sondheim and people who are all in on Sondheim frequently shun Andrew Lloyd Webber because he's like the popular one and then Sondheim's like the one who like the underdog and like he gets disregarded and everyone knows Andrew Lloyd Webber so it's like this this West Side Story style rivalry to borrow Another Sondheim show. But yeah, so like, it makes sense that the, I feel like it's definitely more mainstream in high school to like know Andrew Lloyd Webber and sing Andrew Lloyd Webber. But then my like little crew of pretentious kids, we were like falsettos, Sweeney Todd, like stuff that was like a little more esoteric that made us feel. Re- and then when Rent came out, it was all over. We were like, this is the best thing that's ever happened. So <laughs> that yep. was where that's what we were. Maybe it's an East Coast, West Coast thing. That's where we were at in Connecticut was like Sondheim, William Finn, like these like more sort of under the radar uh, luminaries, as you say. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. So I didn't get to Sweeney Todd until might it might have even been my 30s. It might have been something that maybe. Oh, wow. I'm, I, oh no, no, would have been no, would have been my 20s because. I the the Tim Burton movie came out in 2007 and I yes. def, and I and I don't know if that was the impetus for me going well, I should go check out this musical before I see okay. the movie. Good. I'm so, so glad you did that before yeah. seeing the movie. No, that I, makes me happy. And I think it might have been not long before. I think it was something where I was like I don't want to see the movie without having heard the original thing. But that's so good that yeah. you did that. Yeah, I'm, because I'm I, proud. I'm proud of you. There's things about that movie I like, but I think we deserve a better adaptation of Sweeney Todd I than that. I so agree. I really that movie I found quite disappointing. If I'm, I, I'm not like it was a travesty, which for the record is how I feel about Into the Woods. That movie's a travesty. Uh, but Sweeney Todd was just like a huge meh for me. <laughs> like that whole movie was like. Eh. Yeah, yeah. I I think the, my feeling on it was they cast a lot of good actors to play these characters, yes. but none of them can sing at the level they need to sing. Plus, they cut yeah, a lot none of stuff. Of the, yeah, and like I kept wait, like Johnny Depp was 
so subdued and i thought that when it hit that song epiphany i was like oh he's been doing this on purpose like he's been doing this repressed subdued thing and now he's gonna like and then he did it and i was like oh no he's just not good for this role he's just not a good enough singer no he's not a good enough singer but also he was like he just acted it so one note the whole time. There was like no, he just like never hit any like highs or lows or like it was just like brrrr, like the whole time. And Helda Bonham Carter, I really love her. Um, and I've, I've always been a fan, but I just think she was woefully miscast because I'm so sorry. Like, but Mrs. Lovett, you don't buy that that woman has had a difficult life of not finding love. It's like she's too, and I really hate to say this, but like she was just like, too gorgeous and like her giant like heaving perfect bosom and she's like no one's ever loved me and you're like that can't be true lady like I'm so, I just like I don't buy that you've like held a torch for this guy and have been this like lonely eccentric what it just like it didn't click I just think she's miscast well I think Personally. part of it for me yeah it's not so much that aspect of it for me but Angela Lansbury is, you know, Ugh. a legend for a reason. Ugh. And I think this might be her best role or my favorite role that she's ever done. Yeah. And Fair. she is doing, I mean, acting's all about making choices, right? In the moment. Hell and yeah. you watch her go through, and, and the worst pies in London is a great example because it's so fast. Ugh. She's doing a million so little, good. like, turn on a dime gear shifts things as she's doing the song. And being able to... I mean, Helena Bonham Carter, you know, Oscar level actress. She's a great actress, but being able to, but being able to do that while singing and making the singing and acting choices in combo. Oh yeah. That's a separate, so out of her league. Yeah. That's a separate science. A hundred percent. But in my, I'm like, and again, I know. And also as a woman, I should not be talking about another woman being too pretty for a role. Like this is bad feminism. I just want to acknowledge that. But like the woman who was like, I'm forgetting the character's name. Marla. Marla and Fight Club and Mrs. Lovett do not, like, they're not on the same plane. I was just like, bitch, she's not right for this role. And, like, I couldn't, I just couldn't accept her as that role. It didn't make sense to me. I would have bought her as... I have a big issue with that. (laughs) I would have bought her as the beggar character, honestly. But that's probably too small. So much better for her. That's such a better role for her. Because she, Helena Bonham Carter is weird and eccentric. And we love her for that, but She's not Mrs. Lovett weird and eccentric. She would have been great as the beggar woman. Yeah. You would so buy that as the woman who, sweet. I love this idea, as the woman who, like, Sweeney Todd has been, like, longing for and separated from all these. Like, that, to me, makes sense. Helena Bonham Carter is a woman who, while you're in prison, you're like, one day I will return to her. Like, that's who Helena Bonham Carter is. She's not Mrs. Lovett. Yeah. I like your idea. Let's redo the movie. All right, let's go. We'll talk to Tim Burton and get in our time machine (laughs) and see what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So before we even kind of get into the story of it, the the production of this is so interesting. So like one of the things I love about the music here is the the, the things that make Sondheim's music inaccessible to the average person are the things that I, I think I connect with this most out of his work because I think this is where those weird choices he makes serves the, the sure. story best. And so, like, to give an example, like, first of all, all of his stuff is um, kind of dissonant sounding anyway, yes. which makes sense in this, like, ma- super macabre horror context. Because yeah. this musical, for people who haven't seen it, this is the, I mean, this is the darkest thing you can imagine on Broadway. Like, dar- it's way yes. darker than something like Phantom is. And it's yes, very because true. 
like not only is it like macabre and like there's gory stuff happening, but its worldview is so bleak. Oh my god, it's so bleak. <laughs> yes. I love it. Like the first or like the second song of the musical, he he literally says like the world is shit. It's like it, it, the second song. There's a hole in the world like a great black pit, and the vermin of the world inhabit it, and its morals aren't worth what a pig could spit, and it goes by the name of London. At the top of the hole sit the privileged few, making mock of the vermin in the lower zoo, turning beauty into filth and greed. I, too, have sailed the world and seen its wonders, for the cruelty of men is as wondrous as Peru, but there's no place like London. Right, and this is before he's totally snapped. He's singing, there's a hole in the world like a great black pit, and the vermin of the world inhabit it. Yeah, yeah, and it's filled with people who are filled with shit. Maybe that verse comes a little later, but the point is... He does it a few times. Out of the gate, he's like, everything fucking sucks. I've been wrongfully imprisoned for decades. You're a young idiot who doesn't know anything. Like, second song in the show. It's so great. Yeah, I mean, it's incredibly black, and it's also really funny, and it's, like, it's amazing that, like, how funny it is in parts does not derail how dark it is. I mean, and this is the blackest of black comedies. Yeah. Yeah, good call. All these are such solid points. Is there, like, I mean, do you feel like you are attracted to this musical because you identify with that worldview, or you just find it entertaining, or, like, because it's a lot to take. The older I get, the more I'm like, oh, this wasn't even really satire. It was just reflecting reality. Like, the older I get, the more I'm like, yeah, this tracks. But I think in high school, it was very appealing because in high school, you're kind of at your most emo and dark. And you're like, yeah, the world is a big dark pit. And then you grow up and you're like, oh, yeah, it is a big dark pit. But, like, you say it in, like, a reflective way. In high school, you just want to lean into that. So I think I did really lean into the, like, everything fucking sucks of it, like, in a way that I didn't fully understand until I was an adult, but that I still thought was very cool in high school. I mean, there's definitely edgelord stuff in here, to be (laughs) sure. But I think... He's an antihero, which is so huge now. You know, Breaking Bad and Mad Men and all that. But at the time, antiheroes weren't as, like, prevalent. So I think that was kind of cool. Well, that's what makes this work, I think. Because the the tale of Sweeney Todd started in the 1800s as, you know, this... These sort of, like, urban legends coming out of France that then became a penny dreadful called The String of Pearls. But in all okay. of these, all of these early versions of the character, he's not an antihero. He's just, you know, a local boogeyman. Essentially, he's this monstrous guy who is a barber who kills people to, for money. He like just keeps their, you know, whatever they've got on them, and okay. then and then Mrs. Lovett cooks them into pies to hide the evidence. And I it, didn't know that. Yeah. So it's, he's just like a mercenary originally. He doesn't he's, have a tragic backstory. There, no. Like, there's no tragic backstory. That's good to know. That's yeah. good to know. Every version of this character before 1973, he's, you know, Jack the Ripper, basically. There's no reason okay, to... Okay, that is you know. less compelling. Okay, I totally, love that. Totally. Totally. And then this guy... <laughs> so this guy, Christopher Bond, who was an actor, decided yeah. to write it into a play. And in his version, he's the one 
who basically he he took takes these like concepts from like the Count of Monte Cristo and the Revengers tragedy okay. and all these earlier okay. works and says let's give this guy a backstory and make him into this antihero and basically the Sondheim show tracks the Bond stage play almost beat for beat character for character even incorporating like major lines of dialogue and stuff become lyrics oh, in the show cool. so it's a true okay. like this is yeah literally Sondheim saying hey I like this let's make it a musical. And awesome. ele- and really elevates the material, I think, because it's so operatic. But that's where all of the like the really like juicy character stuff comes from is from this 1973 play. That's good to know. And the because you know about the pr- like the you know tracking it through history in a way that I do not like. Is there? Was this how much of this is true and how much of it is urban legend? Like, was there a barber killing people for money? Do we think at least that part's true? That yeah, there are. There are limited records, uh, and again, it, the, okay. the the legend originates in France. France uh, yeah. It actually starts in France, and then kind of like the makes its way across the channel to England, where they start kind of writing their own versions of the story that there was a barber okay. who killed people, and then that they were made into pies. But how much of that is true? It's, I mean, the historical record's pretty, you know, loose on that. But okay, cool. It, it's also yeah, like tied up, I don't know about yeah. Any of it's also tied up in like post-revolutionary France in terms of like the the, the class stuff, which is very much in this play. For sure, um, yes, yes, yes. And we can yes. talk about that, but like, yeah, that was part of it. Was like the the poor were seen as like basically it was a crime to be poor, and it was a way of like mm-hmm. the the powerful in France keeping down the powerless and and telling these stories about how like awful and wretched these people were and the kinds of horrific things they did to each other. You know, so how how much of it is real versus how much of it is a legend or even just propaganda? Who knows? That's the okay, short answer. Interesting. But yeah, let's talk yeah, about the class I didn't stuff. Know any of that. Hell yeah, let's talk about class stuff. This is more, I feel like, more relevant now than it was at the time that the musical came out. Maybe it's always been the same relevance, but just now I'm an adult and it affects me more, so it feels more relevant. Maybe that's more fair to say. Yeah, like because Sweeney Todd is con- the character. I mean, he's constantly talking about you know, you know, what is it they say? Those above will serve out those down below, meaning we'll kill them and yeah. cook them. But like, yeah, this constant thing of like, yeah, the powerful shit all over us, right? Yeah. He, at that one point in Epiphany, he's singing the the lives we all deserve to die. The lives of the wicked should be made brief for the rest brief of us. Death would be a relief. Will be a relief in Again. high school. That's so appealing. Like you've just like found out your crush doesn't like you, and you're like, yeah, death would be a relief. Like it's just like it's so perfect for high school. Yeah. But I, I, what I love about it is, like, for as much as this, like, class stuff, and there's, like, literally, like, Sweeney's Barbershop is on top. They get sent down below to be cooked, mm-hmm. right? The, the show is hammering all of this, like, upstairs, downstairs stuff home. But yeah. I love that he undercuts it with, like, no, Sweeney, you're also a monster. Like, you don't get a pass because you're poor or whatever. Yeah. Like you're. I feel like he owns that, too, though. But, I mean, do you think that's fair? I feel like he's like, yeah, I'm a fucking monster, but these guys are monsters, too. He, I feel like he's like, I'm just leveling the playing field. We're all monsters. We're all going to go to hell. We all like, deserve to die. Like ever... <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. Like, I feel like he's never, like... 
no, I'm doing this in a righteous way. I think he's just like, no, everyone's shit. I'm also shit. Like, everyone's shit. And it's very egalitarian, kind of. Yeah, you think he's about to go kind of Robin Hood, but, like, almost immediately. <laughs> no. It's like, no, I'm, I'll because he says those above will serve down, those down below, but he's like, no, I'll practice on less honorable throats. Like, he's 100%. happy to kill the poor, too. Like, it doesn't matter. Yes. Yes, exactly. I think that is like a key part. And I think if I'm remembering correctly, because this is one of those things, it's just in the stage directions and it's a visual, but like it's when he's singing, um, it's during the like reprise of Joanna in act two, where he's just like, it's a little montage. He's singing a pretty song. He's, he's shaving and killing people. And the only person who he doesn't kill is it's because somebody it's like the guy's wife or girlfriend or whatever is like, they're watching and i think that it's like you can interpret it as like oh he's not killing this guy because he's like part of a young couple but it's like no he's just not killing guy because there's a witness he doesn't want to like have to kill her too it'll be a huge pain in the ass so it's like he doesn't give he'll he'll just like kill whoever and then if it's inconvenient he's like all right i won't kill this guy but it doesn't i don't think it's meant i guess it's up for interpretation but i don't think it's meant to be making a statement like oh he doesn't want to kill the young lover guy it's like i don't think he gives a fuck yeah i never (laughs) interpret it as merciful or you know yeah i I thought it was practical Exactly, because there's someone there. I think there's like a tiny bit of room that you could think that, but I think it's really just that there's a witness. And like the way that he kills all the people so un- unemphatically, like he just sort of like. It's it perfunctory. Like he gets more. Exactly. He doesn't get like more satisfaction over killing like a certain type of person than another type of person. So I think that is makes him less of a Robin Hood figure and more of just a guy who's like. We're all garbage. Who cares? Yeah, and he doesn't seem to really get any satisfaction. I mean, during that song you're talking about, you know, he's just going on, and are you beautiful? And then he just, like, slices their throat like it was nothing, dumps them down the chute. Exactly. The only person he gives a fuck about is the judge, who is, like, the most evil, but, like, everyone else, even if it's, like, another rich, shitty person, he's not, like, especially excited to slit the rich, shitty person. So he, it's just like, no. He wants a judge. Everyone else is collateral damage. He's too so, far gone yeah. by that point. I don't, you know, he's just yeah, so he's into a fog. disassociating, we would say today in our therapy speak. I think that we would say that. Yeah. And I love, again, how that's reflected in the actual musical composition itself. I so know. like so, so smart. So like for example, like this music, it's literally written in a way to like make you uncomfortable. So like the the first yes. song, right? The 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 title track, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, that keeps yeah. coming back. Um the yeah. the the end of the line it goes, the demon barber of fleet street. It doesn't go fleet street, like the the melody doesn't resolve. Yeah, like, and, yes, exactly. And it's like, ah, like it's it's literally like uh, Judge Doom going shave and a haircut without going two bits. Like it's that yeah. feeling of like, it, wait, when is he gonna go bleed straight? Like go down, and it, yes. it it just leaves you in this like anxious state. Yeah, it does. And that okay. So for those who are familiar with the actual soundtrack, that fucking whistle. <laughs> Oh God! It's so loud and sharp, and like whoever sound engineered that album did a great job because I remember as a kid, you know, like 
I listened to this stuff like really late at night and I remember having to always make sure I would turn the volume down before the whistle so I wouldn't like wake my parents or they wouldn't be like, go to sleep, stop listening to Sweetie Todd. But like, it's so fucking loud and like awful sounding and it's just perfect. It's and it's perfect. almost the first thing you hear, right? It's like yeah. you hear a little organ music or whatever to set it's the tone so and then bam. Yeah. yeah. And this, when we say that. and when we say whistle, like it, not like whistle while you work, this is like an industrial steam whistle yes, or something. A factory, yeah, it's a like factory whistle. So, yeah. yeah, again, like you know, this industrial revolution yeah. aspect of it, right? Like we're all fed into a Hell metaphorical yeah. meat grinder before Which the real is meat so grinder. True. Yeah, it's like they will work you until you die, and then they'll grind your bones up and make food for other people to eat. Like, yeah, and he's like, whatever, I'm just getting into the system. I'm just like, the system's already in place. I'm just going to insert myself into it so that I can get by. Like, that seems to me to be kind of his, like, theory. Yeah. Um, so let's, uh, it, well, let's get into the story, because there's a lot there to unpack. And... um so the the show opens as you said like we we get this uh, attend the tale of Sweeney Todd where they just tell us basically he, it's like a ghost story like he's he's this monster that everyone's afraid of because he shaves yeah. you and kills you hell yeah yeah that is true that is true yeah sh- wait do I say something now yeah no, so if you have any thoughts on <laughs> on this song you know this you know yeah I think yeah I mean the whole thing it's interesting because it is like we're watching it. You know, in real time, like, it's unraveling. But you also get a sense that it's, like, it's already happened and they're just telling you about it. So it's, like, how much of this is, like, kind of a fairy tale that's being narrated by, like, a Greek chorus? Like, how much is it happening in real time? Like, is he already, like, spoiler alert, dead and a ghost at the very beginning? Because, like, he comes out at the end of that song and seems to already know his own fate. So it's like, what? Like, is this, is the whole show a flashback? Like, it's, yeah, it's very sort of in that in-between space of, like, we're being told a story, but for the duration, for most of the play, it's treated as, like, this is happening right now, it's happening in real time. But the whole framework, if you really think about it, is sort of, like... Tale as old as time, not to quote another Angela Lansbury musical. Look how versatile she is. Oh, she could do anything. A crazy lady. I mean, come on. She can be the Manchurian candidate's mom. Um, Damn. Yeah, no, she's she's great. Um, But yeah, I like this opening. I I mean, it really, it sets the tone because it basically tells you, like, this is going nowhere good. And, uh, you know, you're, you're in for it now. And uh, and so then yeah we meet uh, the uh, Sweeney and uh, Anthony come up on a boat Anthony. and uh, yes I love him. Anthony whose last name technically is Hope it's never said in the show but his name is Anthony Hope I don't know if I knew that I love that yeah and he's like such a sweet like heel I love him I mean um, so yeah, Victor Garber handsome handsome man yeah I mean the only two people that survive the entire thing really are are him and Joanna and like and what they Joanna, talk about and you get the sense that Joanna's brain might be a little wonky from being in that asylum which always to me was sad like I'm always like is she okay <laughs> yeah no, nobody makes it out unscathed but they do the best and yeah. because they are like they do the best. Sweet. Yeah. I mean, Sweeney says we all deserve to die, but maybe not them. They're they're good people, no. you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you're right. Ant- Ant- so Anthony's singing. You know, he's full of you know hope, and there's no place like London. And immediately, you know, Sweeney echoes, "Yes, there's no place like London." I have sailed the world. Back. 
beheld its wonders From the Dardanelles to the mountains of Peru But there's no place like London I feel home again I could hear the city bells ring Whatever I would do No, there's no place like London Mr. Thompson You are young Life has been kind to you You By which he means it's the worst place in the world. Yeah, it's the worst place in the world. I only came back here to try to kill somebody. Like, fuck this place. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. And like, yeah, I think that is like the dark humor right out of the gate. Is it's this guy immediately is like, you're dumb. Here's why. <laughs> yeah. Like very comical. And he's already like his makeup is like he looks ghoulish, you know? Because I've seen yeah, that. He looks, um, he looks I, really scary. I don't mind the the Johnny Depp look um but i like the george hearn look better because i watched that special you talked about in preparation for our episode it's on itunes you can go buy it oh my god i could see the last 20 minutes of it yeah you could see the last 20 minutes it's there i I actually might do that because that's sort of like a nice full circle moment for me (laughs) it's it's a damn good 20 minutes but yeah like yeah the the, like the bags under his eyes like he looks like i mean he's so pale he looks like a corpse and i guess they sing his skin was pale and his eye was odd yeah well that's why i kind of want that's why i'm sort of like is he like a ghost even at the beginning like is he is this a retelling and he's already sort of like the walking dead at this point like you know what i mean like it is very just like Ugh. I mean, he, he looks is unwell. I mean, he acts <laughs> like he haunts Fleet Street, basically. Like, you know, he he's yeah. we learn, you know, so they get off the boat. He's accosted by this crazy homeless lady. tries to sell her vagina to him real quick and he's you know get the hell out of here um yeah and she that is so smart that whole line where not line but i mean sorry and i know i'm interrupting but like i really do wonder i wish i could remember if i knew that when i was first listening and i wonder if anyone or how many people in the audience like guessed the twist you know what i mean like i, yeah. I i'm really curious about that i know everyone knows it but well i, I love really well. yeah i think it's done well one of the smart things they do is he has this encounter with her before he starts telling the story 
right? Yeah, so I interpret so it's not as in your head yet. Yeah, yeah I, I interpret it as oh, she's you know just this embodiment of like wretched Victorian London, right? It's full of exactly. these people. Um, it's exactly. a horrible place. And she acts like a Greek chorus too, to a degree, by popping in and out here and there. Totally. And honestly, I think the less they do to telegraph the twist, I think they telegraph the twist too much, even in the the one I saw, the the BBC one. I think they could have pulled it well, back even more. I'm wondering, like, do like is it one of those things where do you think like audiences in like the 70s or whatever walked out being like that was so obvious, or do you think they walked out being like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming? Like, I have no idea. Yeah, there's two ways I can't to play get a it. Sense of it. Right, one <laughs> one is to give people you could play it that there is no hint that that uh, about her. The other is that like if you give enough of the hint, then maybe the audience you you get into like the the tragedy moment of which is like, oh no, I. I, I'm watching these two things come into collision right. with each other, and I can't. I just all I can do is watch, right? Yeah. So I don't. I don't know what the right answer is. But I'm so um, curious because yeah. I. I think I might have known that already going in. Also, in high school, twists are like way easier to play off on high school students. I feel like so, but I don't. I hope. I hope audiences were like M night M nighted when it happened. I hope they were. I hope there were like audible gasps. That's yeah. my dream for that moment. Uh, and so we get the moment where Sweeney sings the song I sang at the start, where he starts telling the story. You know, there was a barber; she was beautiful, and that the a judge uh, you know, wanted her for his own, so he had him tossed in the prison on a trumped-up charge, which we never even find out what it was. But he's sent yeah. to Australia for life. Yeah, we don't know yeah. how. Yeah, we don't know how he escaped. We don't know how we, exactly how he got back. We know there was a yeah, shipwreck. They're really not big on details they're like this doesn't matter like the details don't matter here's what you need to know people fucking suck and he's angry everything else don't worry about (laughs) right so they they part ways and uh sweeney walks off to mrs lovett's pie shop and we this i think might be the best song in the whole show i it's like such a tour de force i'm no wonder with the price of meat what it is when you get it never thought i'd live to see the day men that think it was a treat finding poor animals what are dying in the street mrs mooney has a pie shop does a business but i've noticed something weird likely all the neighbors cats have disappeared after winding to a what i call enterprise popping pussies into pies wouldn't do in my shop Just the thought of it's enough to make you sick And I'm telling you The pussycats is quick Now denying times Is hard so Even harder Than the worst parties In London Only land and nothing more Is than just revolting All greasy and gritty It looks like It's melting and tastes like Well pity a woman alone with limited wind and the worst part in London. Times is hard. Times is hard. It does so much in terms of like it's it's really dynamic because it it speeds up, it slows mm. down. She goes mm. into this lilting like the worst pies in london stuff up up there so good. and then she packs so many jokes into the song oh i know and the percussive like the use of like 
the percussion that she's she's got the rolling pin like in scene yeah that's like what is a diegetic i guess the sound Mm -hmm. where but it also works into the orchestration of this it's just like so genius it's so good yeah i I love that song it's so good like one of the best jokes in it is she's talking about how her competitor is baking cats into pies Right, yes. I start. I noticed something weird lately. All the neighbors' cats have disappeared, disappeared. and she's and she's criticizing her and saying this is terrible, blah yeah, blah blah. Yeah. And also, those cats are quick, man. They're hard yeah, to catch. That is that might be the best joke. And I think like Sondheim knows that because that's one part of the song that like slows down and gives like a laugh because it's like, and I'm telling you, them pussy cats is quick beat that feels like such a like he's like you can laugh here i took a little break in the song (laughs) but that is such a good joke and it's also just an it's an impressive way to introduce mrs lovett who's arguably just as big a villain if not the villain of the piece yeah well she's like a little more of like a sociopath even than he is because he has this ultimate reason and again everyone else to him is collateral damage like they don't matter because you should die anyway so who cares but he's very focused on this thing whereas she is just like she's done this horrible thing that she's not telling him about and she's down to just kill a bunch of people but she's not even invested in any sort of goal the way he is so she is kind of more twisted she's just like more fun and silly so and i think she (laughs) she also nudges him towards it right like because he starts off you know he's got this noble revenge goal to kill the judge that wronged him you know righteously Mm -hmm. and you know like he she really like sees kind of a chance to take advantage of this situation immediately and put starts pushing him in that direction we'll see that as that goes but yeah so you know she he says he wants to rent the room over the pie shop she says she can't because people think it's haunted because something bad happened there and she tells the other half of the story which obviously sweeney does not know which is what happened after he was thrown yeah Yeah. poor poor thing is the name of the song go on ma you do like a good story don't you well, Beetle calls on a roll, polite, poor thing, poor thing. The judge, he tells her he's all contrite. He blames himself for a dreadful plight. She must come straight to his house tonight, poor thing, poor thing. Of course, when she goes there, poor thing, poor thing, they're having this ball all in masks. There's no one she knows there, poor dear, poor thing. She wanders tormented and drinks, poor thing. The judge has repented, she thinks, poor thing. Oh, where is Judge Turpin, she asks. He was there all right, only the folk and trite. Wasn't no match for such craft, you see, and everyone thought it so droll. They figured she had to be daft, you see, so all of them stood there and laughed, you see. Poor soul, poor thing. Great 
song. I really love this song. This is also, again, we're like 20 minutes into the show, and it's like, oh, you're about to see a choreographed rape. Hope you're cool with that. Like, it is so intense, and it's tastefully done, but it's, like, hard to watch. So yeah. I just, like... I, yeah. it was interesting because again, I heard, Oof. I heard the soundtrack. Then I saw the Burton movie where they dramatized it. And I didn't realize that in the stage version, which I only saw recently that they still also dramatize it on stage that she's, so what we learn is, you know, uh, Sweeney Todd's real name was Benjamin Barker. Uh, he, and you know, he had his wife and, and infant daughter, Joanna, he's tossed into prison in Australia and and the, of course they keep coming after her after they've gotten him out of the yeah. way until one night they invite her to this eyes wide shut party they're throwing yes, and they basically it's so rape creepy. her those masks i mean they do rape her yeah and like those masters and i still to this day remember the image of him like opening his his cape or his coat whatever he's wearing and then i remember like the odd or the the greek chorus you know kind of like covers her so you don't like see it but like you know what he's it's just it's so gruesome i just think it's really well choreographed yeah yeah and i love the way i love the way her and reacts to just this this like guttural like you know primal scream recognizing what happened to her and then love it tells him so he says you know was there did no one help her what happened and she says oh she she poisoned herself you know yeah and uh and now the judge has taken the daughter for his own ward. Yeah. The, oh God. It's very, it's a gro- It's a really gross story. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's, it's really gross. It's bleak. It's dark. Uh, and it's going to get darker. It's bleak. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So then uh, they, she takes him up there. She, she figures out who, okay, you, it's you, it is you, Benjamin Barker. She takes him up to mm-hmm. the, the room. He's, he's looking around his old barber shop and she says, Hey, you know, he's, you know, if you need money, I kept, your old razors, which are silver. Mm-hmm. And then he sings a love song to the, the blades. You there, my friend. I'm your friend. Come, Ooh, let Mr. me Tom. hold you. If you only now knew, Mr. Todd, you your warm in my hand, my friend, you my clever friend. I always had a fondness for you, I did. Rest now, my At last, my arm is complete again. Very romantic, yeah. And I love when she chimes in with her little, her little complimenting note. Uh, it's just like it's so sad because you really do have like sympathy for her, like even though she's Looney Tune. Ugh. Yeah, and you see, she has a crush on him. She's she's yeah. always held a torch for him, and that's I so love while. That song. 
Yeah, so he's singing to the knives and she's singing to him. He doesn't hear it. He doesn't notice. No, he doesn't hear it at all. It's so pretty. But I love that song a lot. Yeah, and then finally he finishes it by saying, you know, at last my arm is complete my again with my knife. Complete. And then everyone's like, <laughs> which happens like 90 times in the show. <laughs> yeah, we get the um we get the chorus coming back in to kind of transition yeah. us to meeting Joanna, um, who's who is like a bird in a cage singing to a bird in a cage this uh, song's gorgeous too this fucking show man green finch and linnet bird is the song green finch and linnet bird nightingale blackbird how is it you sing oh can you jubilate sitting in cages never take a And this is like a whole like love. So she sings the song of the bird. Anthony happens upon her, hears her singing, sings a love song back to her. It's this whole like Romeo and Juliet kind of on the balcony love fest. Yeah. And then the beggar woman shows up for the second time. And she's like, stay away from that house. Jerk you mm-hmm. off. Like, <laughs> yeah. Stay away from yeah, Jet like, house, also. house. Also, can I jerk you off for money? <laughs> like, yeah. It's real. Uh, she, she tells really him his, uh, his dongus goes to the side as she says. I see it lists to oh, starboard. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's like, damn, lady, you you still have some of your faculties. Like you're observant. So. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, she like <laughs> that performance is so good because like sometimes she's singing cogently, then she's like, ah, like I'm a hag, yeah. and then she like all of a sudden like shifts gears again, arms, arms for like you can tell her brain is like not firing correctly. It's it's and really neat. And there's so many. Just for funsies, there's a lot of, maybe not a lot, but there's at least two folks in this musical who go on to be in Into the Woods, you know, a number of years later, because she ends up playing the grandmother and the voice of the giant in Into the Woods, that actress, yeah. Cool. And the judge plays Cinderella's father, which is the tiniest role ever. Oh, he's a great uh, no I'm... song no nothing but he's so good as the judge but i like that sondheim then threw him a bone and was like dude there's no real part for you in this show but do you want to be cinderella's dad like get a paycheck work every night he's like yeah i'll do that <laughs> yeah he's great um i mean just turpin i mean all the actors are, are wonderful despite the fact that they're playing these yeah. monstrous people because he sees yeah. this and is like oh no i want the this my adopted daughter for my own like That's oh you weren't pervy up. enough 
Okay, and that is one of my favorite songs that is cut from the original. I feel like, you know how, like, now when they reboot musicals, they put every song back in? I feel like it's probably in the current version, the Josh Groban one. Do you have any intel on that? I don't. Um, that song is in there. I'm going to look I, at it. I'm real I didn't see it. I actually did look at the soundtrack listing. I don't think it's on there. But... Some, oh, yeah. Interesting. So they, okay. th- yeah, they had it in there. They cut it. I think they did put it back in at some point. But yeah, some productions will do it. Some they won't. But it's this song where the judge I is like, "Love that song." But it's, I get why they cut it. Joanna, Joanna, I watch you from the shadows. You sigh before your window and gaze upon the town. Your lips part, Joanna. So young and soft and beautiful God, deliver me Please, leave me Joanna, Joanna I treasured you in innocence And loved you like a daughter You mock me, Joanna You tempt me with your innocence You tempt me with those quivering Help! God, deliver me It will stop Now it will stop Right now, right now, right now. He's, I mean, it's he rough. is jerking off and flagellating. flagellating himself. So it's, you know what's weird? They did, not weird, but they did do it in the college, they did it in the Northwestern University production while I was there. And my buddy was playing that role and he did a great job with it. But it's like, I love that song. I think it should be. What, they're like, we can kill people and eat them, but showing a dude like jerking off while he's flagellating, like, that's a step too far. It's like, come on, put the song in. Like, I-, I could see, so I could see cutting it for time or pacing. Like, it doesn't have to be there. Yeah. You, you, you get it. It um, doesn't have to be there, but it makes him like oh, it's, it's so a thousand gross. times really, creepier. Yeah, it's, I love it. Ugh. I love that song, but yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah, I do want to see Josh Groban, that sweet faced boy. Should oh no, he doesn't play that. He does No, he's Sweeney. Shut up, Lauren. Who's the judge? Do we know who the judge is? Is he I, anybody right now? I don't know. I know the kid uh, Dusty from Stranger Things is uh, Toby. That's right. That's right. Okay, cool. You can cut that part where I fuck up. That's a... Oh, it's fine. Uh, So, yeah. So, yeah. Judge says, I'm a keeper for myself. And then we meet... uh, We go to, like, Pirelli. Um, So, there's, like, a... a, This guy is uh, hawking hair tonic, which is, of course, actually just piss and ink. I, Pirelli's miracle elixir. Anything what slicks Soon's proud curls. Try Pirelli's when they see how thick, sir. You can have your picture of the girls. Wanna buy a bottle? What is this? What is this? for a bottle? like this. He says it smells like this. Looks like this. What do you think? This is piss. Piss looking. Smell that bottle. I wanna eat this. Smell that face. It's a bottle. Where's this Pirelli? Yeah, where's this Pirelli? Pirelli's activate your roots, sir. Then some fuzz. The Pirelli soon will make a fixer. Like a good elixir always does. Trust Pirelli's if you hear a sixer. Fixer in the mixer. Don't look grim. Just Pirelli 
And this is Sweeney's like the the dilemma for Sweeney is how am I ever going to get? I want to kill the judge, but why would he ever show up at my barber shop? And so they're going to challenge this seemingly famous international barber to uh, a barber competition, and hopefully yeah, this they'll is notice. Long. Mm-hmm. It's even longer See, in the soundtrack. I, would, I know that's what I was going to say. Is they cut like a little section or two from it. And yeah, like this is what I would trim if I were doing the production. <laughs> this is a little long for Flans. Yeah, they, they like even in the PBS version <laughs> that I watched. So the the competition in the soundtrack, it's it's shaving a face and pulling a tooth, and which pulling a barbers tooth. also yeah. did. And the the yeah. tooth pulling is cut. It is yeah, funny though. To pull the tooth without the skill can damage the root. Now hold the steel, ah! and if you are slip, you grip a bit, you hit the pit a bit, or chip at the tip and have to fill. To pull the tooth without the grace, you leave the space all over the place. You try to erase without the trace. Sometimes in the case, you even are killed. Ah! To hold the clamp without the cramp oh. with all that saliva. They call a driver, you phrase it, don't mutter the back, you go to the gutter, my touch is as light as a bath and a cramp. I take the pains, I learn the art, I use the brains, I give the heart, I have the grace, I win the I give it up. Like because it's funny, it's funny, but it is like we we don't we just met this guy. Why does he get a twenty minute long song? <laughs> like, come on, get back to the murder. <laughs> yeah, I love Pirelli. Like he's again, he's this preening uh, character. He's played by Sasha Baron Cohen in the the Burton movie, who I think is a good. He, again, good actor, not a good enough singer, but, like, the right vibe. For sure. Yeah, 100% the right vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I believe that role is often, at least in college productions and stuff, it's made female in a lot of productions. I don't know if they, oh. that's made its way to, like, Broadway and stuff. Hmm. Um, but, like, I have friends who have played that role, so I think that's one that they gender bend a little bit. You certainly um, could. There's because, no reason not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Sweeney wins the the barber off, which catches the attention of Beetle Bamford. Uh, mm-hmm. con, you know, continuing the streak of evil beetles in fiction, him and the him and the dude from Oliver Twist can like hang out. Oh, gotcha. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a gross little smarmy. He's gross. Yeah, he's played by Timothy Spall in the the Burton movie. Who's yes. perfect. He's like, that's uh, Peter oh Pettigrew God. from that the, guy's face yeah. is amazing. God bless that man. He, he looks like the caricature of the Mad Hatter, you know, um, like the way that's drawn. Yeah, he's got what I call a classically British face. <laughs> 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 You're like, yep. Apologies to our Asperger British listeners. In there. 
Okay, I love, I mean, I, you're talking to number one Rachel Vice fan. Like, I love British people, but they tend to be either the most beautiful person you've seen in your life or like, oh, good God, what happened here? Like that, or that's like the stereotype of running the gamut. And Timothy Spall straight up looks like a Dickens character. Like, he yeah. just has that face. Yeah, he, he absolutely <laughs> does. He He's perfect. Um, he's perfect. That, yeah, he's he's great in the role, but like, a beetle, like, it's an interesting character. Like, a beetle is sort of, like, halfway between a cop and a social worker. Like, they sort oh, of... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Ew. So, they're, they're, they, so like, he's there. Ugh. At one point, he shows up because he has to enforce, like, health regulations. So, they have these, like, legal functions, but they also kind of, like, help yeah. society run. He's like a toady. He's just, like, the right-hand man of the judge. Like, he's just like this... Ugh, I hate that dude. Well, and he helps legitimize whatever it is the judge is up to, right? Again, he's like, it's col- sure. acting under color of law, this guy. Ugh, yeah, I hate that guy. Well, also, who could look at Judge Turpin and go like, yeah, man, I want to be this guy's right-hand man. Like, he's so awful. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the plan works. The plan does attract the attention of the Beatle, who says, oh, I'm going to send uh, the judge over to get his haircut so he looks good for when he proposes <laughs> to his adopted daughter. Yeah, yeah. That's the grossest thing. The Beatle, like, really loses me when when that line that he says where he goes, happy news indeed, sir. Mm-hmm. Where, like, the judge is like, I'm going to marry this girl whose mom I raped and made go crazy, and then I've been raising her as my own, but now I'm horny for her. I'm going to marry her. And, like, without skipping a beat, he goes, happy news indeed. He doesn't even have the moment where he's like, oh. <laughs> like he just immediately no he's on board happy news indeed sir and i'm like this guy sucks <laughs> yeah he's the worst smithers ever um yeah he's really gross uh and so yeah so this leads to a scene at the first we get mrs lovett singing to sweeney todd like hey just wait be patient he's you know yeah um which is nice but then uh, yeah, Pirelli shows up to basically say, hey, Benjamin Barker, I know who you really are because yeah. I used to work for you. You probably don't even remember me, which yeah. prompts Sweeney to kill him. My accent was different. Yeah. Yeah, the whole the whole Pirelli character. I mean, the, the musical is kind of filled with characters who are not what they appear to be. Uh, and Very true. He's one of them. You're 100% right. Yeah, there's like at least three, right? Because it's Sweeney Todd, Pirelli, Beggar Woman. I mean, Mrs. Lovett is hiding a lot. Um, the judge, She's obviously. She's hiding a ton, yeah. But in ter- yeah, I guess I was talking in terms of people who actually are changing their, uh, like, names. Identity. Not that the beggar woman has a lot of autonomy over her mm-hmm. name and identity, but the other two are, like, actively, they've taken on new names and new identities. Yeah. And um, so, so yeah. he kills Pirelli. Toby, his assistant, who's, yeah. like, kind of a kid. I guess he's, like, probably, like, 12 or supposed to be, something like that. Um, or I always thought he also, or is he like a young adult with, I'm not sure of the proper way to say this now, but with m- mental, uh, what's the, what's the okay way to say this now? He's neurodivergent. With mental. Okay. See, I, I would, I thought it was even like a little further. I thought, but I don't know. Yeah. It's really, it's hard to tell. And I think it depends on the production. Well, like in the movie, he's, you know, it's an actual kid. He's a kid in the movie, but I think they made a choice because they're like, we're not going to like have an actor play like mentally, you know, like let's not 
fuck that up. But I think that, like, in the original production, like, hearing the, the the Stranger Things kid is playing him, I'm like, oh, okay, they went the kid route. Because in the original production, that guy is not a kid. Like, Although that's that, a young adult. That guy's probably 18 now. You know, I mean, he started doing Stranger Things when he was, like, 11. But, you know, we're that several years on. That still feels young to me, though. And also, like, Neil Patrick Harris played that role not too long ago, right? Oh, I don't know. Maybe. Didn't he play that? I'll take your word for oh, it. Oh, God. I'm, now I'm scared that I'm totally wrong. But I think that he did play that role. So I really think it depends on the production. Are they casting an adult and playing him as what in that time would have been called slow, quote unquote? Or are they doing or are they having it be a kid? And I do feel like it really that can vary. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And he's hanging around. And this is actually an interesting remnant from the old like 1800s version of the story. Where oh, okay. this is, there's a, a plot element in the old versions of Sweeney Todd where Sweeney Todd kills you know, a, a customer and the customer has a dog and the dog is like still like hanging around the barbershop and Sweeney's like, no, no, he, he left. I don't know where he went and the dog's still there. And this is kind of the same idea where like Pirelli's dead uh, with his hand like hanging out at the trunk. Like there's yeah. a lot of good like physical comedy, but... So he sends Toby down to like have some pies. Like, oh, and he comes back. He's like, oh, go have a second pie. I still got shit to do. And then he comes back. Oh, go have some gin. He's like, ooh, gin. You know, um, so Mrs. Lovett kind of adopts this kid. Yeah, which also makes her sympathetic. Like, her relationship with Toby, I think, is a big part of what makes her sympathetic. But then, and again, this is up for interpretation depending on the production and who's playing the role. But I like it, or I don't like it. It's really sad. But I, the versions of the production where at the end she's just like ready to have him die if he needs to is like so much. It's so dark, you know. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you were so matronly, but you really are just focused on boning Sweeney Todd. And like, you're like, I love this kid. Oh, if he's got to die, he's got to die. And it's like, whoo. That's brutal. Yeah. No, she's Like I said, she's just as much a villain, if not more, than Sweeney is. Yeah. Well, um, that's the sociopath, like, or whatever is the correct term. Like, her taking a hard turn on Toby like that, if it's like, oh, that's too bad. Well, if he has to die, he has to die, is really chilling. Yeah. Uh, so Judge shows up uh, for his appointed shave yeah, and a haircut. And we get one of the best songs in the thing, which is Pretty Women. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty women, fascinating, sipping coffee, dancing. Pretty women are a wonder. Pretty women sitting in the Something in them cheers the air. Pretty women, silhouetted, stay within you. Glancing. Stay forever, breathing lightly. Pretty women, pretty women. Still 
watching how they made a man sing from I love this song so much. Gorgeous song. And it's just, yeah. yeah. Beautiful song. And it's so great because, like, you know, the, we, you know, Sweeney has, again, the righteous side of the song, you know, singing about how, you know, these beautiful women and, you know, they're fascinating and, and it's this lilting, beautiful melody. And you've got the judge singing, the, yeah, this, my daughter, I'm going to Ugh. take. It's, it's so gross for, on his side. And you're just waiting. You know, you know he's getting ready to kill him, and then unfortunately Anthony barges in. That dumb fuck, yeah. Yeah, and then the judge recognizes Anthony as the kid who was hanging around Joanna before, and says like, "Oh, I see who you're friends with. Sorry, I'm out of here. You'll never see me again." At which point, uh, Sweeney tells. Thankfully, he doesn't kill Anthony. He tells him to get lost, and then we get Epiphany, and he snaps. And this song too is just like this, like part of the show. It's just like between. Um, Pretty Women and then Epiphany and then the next one. Like, just three of the best songs back to back to back. And this 100%. thing... Uh, when it's, I mean, Epiphany's just... Uh, this, I love that song so much, yeah. This is the Breaking Bad moment we've talked about where he starts singing about We All Deserve to Die, but there's mm-hmm. so much going on here. All right, you sir, how about a shame? Come and visit your good friend, Sweetie. Sir, true sir, welcome to the grave. I will have vengeance. I will have salvation. Who said? You, sir? No one's in the chair. Come on, come on! Sweeney's waiting. I want you, readers. You, sir, anybody, gentlemen, now don't be shy. Not one man, no, not ten men. Even as he gloats In the meantime I'll practice On less honorable throats And my Lucy Lies in ashes And I'll never See my girl again But the work Waits I'm alive At last And I'm Yeah, and he really does snap because had like the ver that is the moment where he changes and where I hope Johnny Depp would change, but he didn't. But like Sweeney Todd in Act Two would have just killed the judge and then killed Anthony. You know what I mean? Like the moment right before Epiphany, the fact that he doesn't do that is because he hasn't snapped yet. I really do think in Act 2, Sweeney Todd would just kill the judge and Anthony would be like, holy shit, and then he would just kill Anthony. But, like, there is a little part of his humanity that's still left where when Anthony fucks it up, he's like, ah, I lost my chance. You know what I... Do, do you yeah. agree with that? No, I... feel I, like that's, like, a distinction. I think it... I do think there's a distinction there. And I think on some level, you know, Sweeney recognizes Anthony is a friend. 
And two, he and didn't. Saved us? Yeah, he didn't yeah. know. He could. He couldn't have possibly known. He didn't do anything wrong. He literally just walked into a exactly. room. Exactly. But I know? think Act Two, Sweeney Todd would just view him as collateral damage. He might. Like, yeah, he might kill him. Epiphany, Sweeney Todd. I think he would have just done it. Um, and, and but this, he doesn't. And that mo- that's why he's better than Mrs. Love. <laughs> and this song is like it's the musical equivalent of like Ren and Stimpy. Space Madness breakdown. Uh, like that's so true. Yeah, that's I a mean, great comparison. Yeah, the, like when it starts, the music starts going just like super fast, da, 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 and he's running through that. There's a hole in the world. Yeah, as fast as he can, and then he gets into they all deserve to die. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, the vermin of the world inhabit it, but not for long. They all deserve to die. And he just starts, you know, it's clear, you know, he wants to die. He wants everyone else to die. Um, And he, but then he like lurches back to like mourning his wife in a different melody. And he lurches back again to I'm going to kill everyone. Then he threatens the audience. And, you know, how about you? You want to shave? And it ends with this triumphant, like, you know, but the work you know, but the work waits. The I'm work alive work at last, and I'm full again. of joy. Yeah, that is a weird oh. turn at the very end. It's like, oh, okay. That <laughs> to me, that's like it's such a brilliant like thing by Sondheim to have him say that because it's like, yeah, that yeah. that is where he really breaks. Is like, I, I'm full of joy. Like you just saying about how the worst thing in the world has ever happened yeah. to you has happened, and everyone deserves to die. But I'm full of joy. Like, full of joy. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then I love it's, it's such a funny moment where Mrs. Lovett is like, "Are you done?" Like yeah. it's like she's not freaked out by it. She's just like, "Do I get to talk now?" Like it's very, it's very undercutting what's just happened. Which well, is funny. and again, that speaks to her, right? Which is like your you, the human reaction to watching Sweeney do this should be to run to France, exactly. Like, but no, that's fuck why as she's far such away a from him as you can. Sociopath, because she's just like. Okay, so here's what I think. Like she's yeah. like totally unmoved by watching someone absolutely lose their last marble. It's well, and funny. what's worse is that she sees she sees opportunity here. Yeah, because right? she's like, she's like oh, let's you know what you could do is yeah, it's like oh, you you really could start killing strangers, and hey, I can cook them, right? Yeah, she really is fucking nuts if she wasn't so adorable and funny you would really dislike her but she's just so charming uh, yeah i mean with the price of meat what it is you know like oh, that she's just God, like i um, love that whole she run. hits yeah. on cannibal she hits on cannibalism immediately and so and he's on you know if you get it did you get it and he goes huh good you huh. got it that's such a great they're so good in that huh. the, and, and then we get into this seven minute long song, uh, which is probably yet again, probably next to Worst Pies in London, the best comedy song in it. Yeah, um, so many jokes. A little priest. So many jokes. What is that? It's priest. Have a little priest. Is it really good? Sir, it's too good, at least. Then again, they don't commit sins of the flesh. So it's pretty fresh. Awful lot of fat. Only where it's at. Haven't you got poet or something like that? Now you see the trouble with poet is how do you know it's deceased? Try the priest. Mmm, heavenly. Not as hearty as bishop, perhaps, but then not as bland as curate, either. Good for business, too. Always leaves you wanting more. Trouble is, we only get it on Sundays. 
yes, rather nice. If it's for a price. Order something else, though, to follow, since no one should swallow it twice. Have you any dean? No, but if you're British and loyal, you might enjoy Royal Marine. Anyway, it's clean, though, of course, it tastes of wherever it's been. Is that squire on the fire? Mercy no, sir, look closer, you'll notice it closer. Looks thicker, more like thicker. No, it has to be grosser. It's green. <laughs> <laughs> the history of the world, my love. Save a lot of graves, do a lot of relatives' favors. Is those below serving those up above? Everybody shaves, so there should be plenty of flavors. How gratifying for once to know that, that those above will serve those down below. Love it, yeah. And the whole the whole comedy bit here, the improv game here, is to to say, you know, what kind of a vocation is in the pie, and then make jokes yeah. about, you know, oh, it's priest. Is it really good, sir? It's too good, at least. Um, awful lot of fat, only where he sat, right? And so they keep mm. running through different professions and like making pie eating. It's a or, pun fest. Yeah, it's great. It's so smart. It's really smart. It's really funny. Yeah, you get to see them, like, working together. It's, like, kind of the first time he's, like, really acknowledged her, which is, like, kind of oddly tender. It's and, well, like, it's a, it's a waltz. fun. They're waltzing. Oh, yeah, great point. Yeah, it, they're partners. They're partners. They're becoming partners. So it's, like, yeah. Yeah, and I love that this song and the one before <sighs> it both build in the class stuff. So you have the line in Epiphany where he says... Um, there's two kinds of people in this world. There's the one staying put in his proper place and the one with his foot on the other one's face. And then here you get, you know, um, the history of the world. My love is those below serving those up above, right? They're, they're they're built. This is them. maybe trying to rationalize what they're about to do. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. I I love it. And, uh, and and they'll serve anyone meaning anyone, (laughs) Uh, to oh, anyone God. at all. What an act break. What yeah, that's the act break. an act break! And then they're like, enjoy your, you know, sundries at the snack bar. <laughs> Go get a glass of wine. Uh, and when we come back, we get to God That's Good, which is now like some amount, unknown amount of time has passed. Yeah. And we've, we've dodged the bullet of the judge about to marry her like the next week because he says, instead of marrying her immediately, I'm going to go ship her off to an asylum. For like some, you, do. You know, like you do, uh, yeah, like you do, uh-huh, uh-huh. And, I'm, and I'm sure like 1840s bedlam is probably about as, this strikes me well, as real. I think you know? that's why I'm like worried about her when she mm-hmm. gets out. I'm like, uh oh, think you might have some damage that works through. <laughs> like, yeah, it's not great, yeah. And uh, great. so, and God, that's good is fun because this is where we see like time has passed and now the pie shop you know, like business is booming, everyone's yeah, happy she's to. Killing He's killing it. There, your sample, Mrs. Lovett's meat pies, savory and sweet pies, as you'll see. You who eat pies, Mrs. Lovett's meat pies, conjure up the treat pies used to be.
the gentleman here, the bird is cheeping, helps to keep it cheery. Toby, throw the old woman out. What's your pleasure, dearie? Now we don't have slices. Call me ours is bleary. Toby, none for the gentleman. I could have big prices. I'm a little leery. Business couldn't be better though. It is, yeah, mm, it's a really fun song. It ha- It is evocative in many parts of uh, Worst Pies in London in terms of, like, the speed and her little asides and the percussive elements of them, like, knocking on the floor. So I like that it feels like a kind of a callback to that, but in, like, a, it's like the rich person version of, of uh, Worst Pies in London because now they have all these, like, nice... Tasty pies. And they have a chorus singing, like, it's just, like, it's, it's, a, it's like an upgrade of that song. Totally. Cool. And what I love is they this love is, he's replaced, pies. he's now gotten his, like, terror chair. So the, the barber chair... Fancy chair. It's a f- fancy, like, it's got, like, a lever... That like if you pull it, all of a sudden the chair goes flat, and then the the body just slides down off of it. I do like the the uh, the idea for the movie where it's backwards, like it dumps them down head first. Oh, I vaguely remember. I yeah, blocked like, out a lot of the movie, yeah. but I vaguely remember that. Yeah. Like, oh, they found the a way chair, to make it worse. <laughs> this is where you find out how much money the production you're seeing had in their budget because like if you're seeing like a theater with a lot of money you're seeing Sweeney Todd it's like this is where they really show off they're like look what we did with this chair and this set and this slide and then if you're at a community theater they're like and you can sort of see the person scooch down into the <laughs> it's just like really funny the differences the good productions will really kill the, the cast member. Oh, yeah. When they have money, it's like, this is where you put your, your Sweeney Todd budget, is right. in this chair. Yeah. <laughs> like... um, and so, yeah, so all of this goes well. And then uh, I believe this is when Anthony shows up and says, hey, you know, I, I found out where I she is. Her. Yeah, she's in the asylum. Yeah. And at first Sweeney's horrified, but then in the second he goes, actually, that can be to our advantage. Yeah, it is. And then he has to learn about hair. I think it's so cute when he goes, what color hair does she have? And he goes, yellow. <laughs> it's like, you dummy. Not <laughs> good not enough. A, that's yeah. not. <laughs> Very sweet. Right. Because the pl- Sweeney knows from his experience that wig makers get all of their human hair from the inmates at the asylum. So Which he can go in there. And... so fucked up. It just, oh, good. Goodness. It fits the show's, it fits this show's the macabre version of Waste Not, Want Not. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. And also, just people are there to be worked and used until they die. So it's like, oh, this this cog has some hair on it. Let's get that hair off. <laughs> like it's just really fucked up. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, so the, they're planning that. We we I think I skipped over, but the song, uh, the Joanna reprise you mentioned, where like. You got kind of all oh, these different. Oh shit! Yeah, for sure. Well, that's the part I was talking about earlier. Yeah, where he's just like not. What are you apathetically killing people? And are you beautiful and pale with yellow hair like her? I'd want you beautiful and pale the way I dreamed you were, Joanna. And 
If you're beautiful, what then? With yellow hair like wheat. I think we shall not meet again, my little dove, my sweet Joanna. Except for the one who has, it's either like a girlfriend or a daughter watching. Oh, that's what it is. I think it's that they're a family. I feel like it's like a mom with a kid on her lap in a lot of productions. Mm -hmm. And so I think like we as people want to be like, oh, he's not killing him because he's a dad and a family. It's like, no, he's not killing him because he doesn't want to have to kill a mom and a kid. That would be annoying. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, the uh, the other thing I skipped over before we even get to the wig maker stuff is by the sea. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck, yeah. See, that's what I... I would cut that... Well, I love By the Sea, but I would cut, like, Wait instead of the judges' masturbating whipping song. I just feel like those two Mrs. Lovett songs are, like, we love Angela Lansbury, let her sing, but, like, we don't write any of those songs. Yeah, I would cut Wait and keep By the Sea because it's funny. I would cut Wait. By the Sea is fun. By the Sea is fun, and you also do get... Actually, By the Sea is... It's it's good. It's like not necessary, but it's nice in that you really see like, oh, this bitch crazy. Like she really thinks that like they're gonna like this is temporary just to get like enough money and like and then we're like he's gonna marry me and he loves me and and he. I remember in the stage directions, there's like a line where it's like he he gives her like a brief look of horror or something where it's like he's kind of realizing like. Oh, she, like, really thinks, like, I love her. Like, there's, like, yeah, there's a moment. So I do think you actually get nice information about their characters in this song. And she's, but even still within this song, she says something to him about, like, you can keep killing people here and there so you don't yeah, get rusty. like, you can kill people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She's like, now and then you can do the guest in. Like, I don't need you to fully stop killing, but I do eventually want us to settle down and get a nice little place. And he's just like, oh, I'm not into you like that. Oh, I can see us now in our bathing dresses. You in a nice navy and me stripes, perhaps. It'll be so quiet that who can buy it except the seagull? Ooh, ooh. We shouldn't try it though till it's legal, but ooh, ooh. But a seaside wedding could be divide. Me rambled bedding, legitimized. Me eye little flatter, I'll turn into butter the moment I mutter, I do. By the sea in our nest, we could share our kippers with the odd paying guest from the weekend trip. Let's have a nice sunny sweep for the guests to rest in now and then. You could do that guest in by the sea. Marry nice and proper by the sea. Bring along your child. 
this is a place in the movie where I think Johnny Depp's thing works because he's, he, I mean, he's basically like stone faced throughout it while he's she's a dispassionate man. Yes. Yeah. So they get a lot of like comedic juice out of his like being so uninterested in her cutesy poo sure. ideas. Which again, I don't buy you. Any man with blood in his veins is not, it's Hannah Bonham Carter. Come on, man. Come on. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, I'm not, not going to disagree with you. She's a lovely lady. Even though she plays a lot of freaks and weirdos. Uh, she, she sure she's does. Great. Um, so, yes, yeah, so then we get the wig, wig maker thing. Uh, and while Anthony goes off to rescue Joanna, Sweeney writes, writes a letter to the judge saying, hey, you should. I'm sorry about what happened before, but you should show up tonight because I tricked him into bringing her here. Yeah. And I love that, like, he... Like, in Phantom of the Opera, when the Phantom writes all these letters, you hear the Phantom singing what he's writing. Here, it's the chorus singing the letter yeah. as Sweeney's writing it, and it's re- Like, yeah. this is barely even... It's hard to even call this music. Like, it's so weird sounding. Exactly. Yeah, it is weird. Very dissonant, and yeah, yeah. It's, it is... Cl- it makes it creepier to have other people singing it. Most honorable Judge Turpin. Most honorable. Honorable. I venture thus to write you this. Urgent note to warn you that the hot-blooded young sailor has abducted your And so then we get the Beatles showing up to do his actual job, which is health regulations, because there have been reports, including by the beggar woman who's been popping around screaming, you know, she thinks Mrs. Lovett is a witch. So, you know, there's this weird smell everywhere. Yeah. Um, and she re- she reports that to the Beatles. So like, it's, you know, there's some yeah. kind of horrific smell coming from the pie shop and you should investigate. And she's right. Um, so She is yeah. right. Yeah. Two things can be true. You can, you know, not be at full capacity and also be correct about a lot of things. So yep. that's sort of what we're working with. Uh, and Toby is yeah. starting to sense something's up too because he, you know, yeah. he starts to... Tell Mrs. Lovett, hey, you know, if you need help I'll, from somebody who might be evil, wink, wink, I'll protect oh, you. that song. That's and a she, sweet fucking song. Yeah. yeah. And so she sings, yeah. not while I'm around. No one's going to harm you. Or I'm sorry, he sings it. No one's going to harm you, not while it. I'm well, around. Well, then she sings it to him in the second half. Yeah, but. But in the second. What I love is when, she, by the time she gets to her half, she's figured out, uh-oh, Toby knows too much. He's got to go. And the music, like the, he, Sondheim does this all the time in the musical and it's really like clever where the melody doesn't change, but the music, the orchestration behind it does. So like, yeah. So like, so when you hear Toby sing it, it's nothing's going to harm you. Not while I'm around. And it's very like major key. Nothing's going to harm you. 
not while I'm around Nothing's gonna harm you, no, sir Not while I'm around Demons are prowling everywhere nowadays I'll send them howling, I don't care I got What a sweet, affectionate child it is. She sings the same line. Nothing's going to harm you, not while I'm around. But there's like this like high-pitched like violin, like... Like, uh-oh. Now let's stop all this foolish chatter and just sit here nice and quiet. Nothing's going to harm you, not while I'm around. Nothing's gonna harm you, Toby, not while I'm around. This is so interesting because, again, I'm someone who hasn't seen a production of it in so long and just going off the soundtrack. Do most productions really, do they make that the turn where she decides he's got to go? Is that like... I believe that's how it's... Yeah, that she she, because he says something. I don't think all the dialogue is in the soundtrack. It's been so yeah, I've been so long. It's been so long since I've seen it visually. And like you're saying, you really like yeah, yeah, because I watched it. Uh, Yeah, yeah. so like when you, I believe it. Yeah, here in the movie, the the PBS one, like this is the turn because okay, okay. When you listen to the soundtrack, um, they cut out some of the dialogue to you know shorten things up. In the actual sure. production, Toby says some things to her that makes it clear, uh-oh. Well, yeah, he finds the purse or whatever. Yeah, but oh, That's God, it. That's what so it is. so sad. Yeah, I oh, do yeah, remember yeah. that. Miss, he Mrs. shows her the purse. Yeah. yeah. Mrs. Uh, Lovett, after Pirelli died, she grabs the coin purse off of and says, hey, you know, again, waste yeah, not, want he not. And he pulls. she pulls like, it out and she's like, that's Mr. Pirelli's. You know, he would yeah, never willingly yeah, part with, yeah. you know, the money. So yeah, he he's got to go. Money. Yeah. Oh, it's so fucking sad. Well, she leads him uh, down into the basement and gives him this tour of like, see, here's the oven where we make the pie. See how big this is the first time you actually get to see like what's going on down yeah, there. And it's like, oh, yeah. this is here's the meat grinder. You got to grind it three my times. My tender heart lets me believe, or my tender high school heart let me believe that they're just gonna, she's just gonna lock him down there, and maybe there's still, but no, the turn is pretty obvious. No, she locks him <laughs> yeah. down there for good reason. First of all, the beetle is coming, yeah. so she needs to lock yeah, him down. Beetle's she, coming for sure. She is. Uh, so she locks him down there, and he remember she tells him this thing about like the secret to our meat and why it's so tender is we put it through the grinder three, three times, times. Yeah. and he goes okay, and he he starts going through the grinder three times, and he finds like hey, there's a hair, but it's not red hair like Mrs. Lovett, it's dark hair, and yeah, then he goes then for he finds a fingernail, fingernail or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's when he starts trying to get out, and he can't, yeah, it's mm, so sad. Uh, so the beetle shows up to investigate the smell. Uh, they sing a couple of parlor songs, and then uh, yeah, that's also like, that's also cut. They some of those get cut. Yeah, yeah. Typically, he sings a lot of parlor songs. <laughs> yeah, there's too many, but they are. <laughs> I enjoy several. all of them, but they all need to go. They're too long, and it is ominous because it's like 
and the tension of her being like looking at her metaphorical watch and him being like boop boo do 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 like but yeah it, there are a lot of parlors <laughs> yeah and so Sweeney kills him uh, as and we get the chorus reminding us you know, the in the in his ledger the entries matched a beetle arrived and a beetle dispatched dispatched yeah, yeah. and then Toby sees the beetle and is like yikes this is a dead guy I know right yep. am I remembering that correctly? I think That's they do I think they do that in the movie. In in the movie, you see that they cut to that. In the stage show, they don't. Um, oh, yeah, because they can't. Okay, okay. Uh, but so th- then we get to the wig maker. So he goes to the asylum. He rescues mm-hmm. Toby or um, Anthony rescues Joanna. He kills the fog in charge of the asylum, and they bolt. Yeah. And all the crazy people come running out after him into the streets. Yeah. And now we're into the end. Would. And now we're at the part where where the tape cuts off. Tape cut off. <laughs> So sorry, that's I the end of the podcast. I totally remember. It's Anthony <laughs> running towards the camera and he's holding Joanna's hand and like dra- and then it ends for yep. Lauren. So <laughs> um, So yeah, so now we get this like bit of like the the you know, the lunatics screaming, the city on fire, all this yeah. everyone's kinda all over the place, and we get our beggar woman who's Ugh. never heard from the Beatles. She shows up at the at Sweeney Todd's parlor and yeah. he confronts her and says, What are you doing here? At which point he hears the judge coming up the steps and he goes, I, I, don't, I don't got time for this. And he slits her throat. Time. Yeah. And, and just before it, of course, he, she says for the second time, hey, don't I know you, mister? Don't I know you, mister? Yeah. And also when he slits her throat, everyone once again goes, which should tip you off that like something pretty major just happened. Anytime they do that a little bit, like well, something major just happened. And again, I love that the Hey Don't I Know You Mister the first time is before we know any of Sweeney's backstory. So at first it's like, yeah. oh, she might know his real identity, but we you know that we, we, he just wants to avoid sure. people recognizing him. We don't know how yeah. well she knows him. Um so yeah, so Hey Don't I Know You Mister, she's oh, gone. God. The judge comes in for a quick reprise of Pretty Women and then we get he gets his revenge. Pretty women, pretty women, yes. Hey, quickly, sir, splash of me rum. Sit, sir, sit. Joanna, Joanna. Pretty women, hurry, man. Pretty women are one here in merry mood again today. Pretty Mr. women, Tom. what we do for pretty women. Blowing out, blowing out Fellow taste in women, at least. What? What's that? Oh, sir, no doubt the years have changed me. But then perhaps the face of a barber, the face of a prisoner in the dock is not particularly memorable. Benjamin Barker! Benjamin Barker! He's got it coming. And then that whistle goes off again. Yeah, I think, I mean, the whistle goes off during the show, but I think this is the the only time it goes off during a murder. Yeah, this is the only time it goes off during a murder. It is very loud and upsetting, as it should be. Um, And then that launches us into 
like the end. Yeah, because Mrs. L- we hear a scream from the basement, which is Mrs. Lovett, who's down there. Yeah. Uh, Sweeney comes down to investigate, and she is like, you know, before, even before he gets there, she she sees the beggar and goes, "Oh no! Of all the demons in tor- the, hell yeah. sent to torment me, why are you still here?" Yeah. And um, Sweeney comes in. He's gonna go, um, you know, throw the bodies into the oven, and he gets. She tries to stop him from getting a good look up close at the beggar. Yeah. Uh, but unfortunately, oh. he he sees it. Oh no! Don't I know you, she said. You knew she lived. From the moment I came into your shop, you knew my Lucy lived. I was only thinking of you. Lucy. Your Lucy. A crazy hag, picking bones and rotten spuds out of alley ash cans. Would you have wanted to know that she ended up like that? You lied to me. No, no, not lied at all. No one ever lied. She said to the boys and she did. Never said that she died. I Poor thing. She lived for another week in my head. Was she a just lied there in bed? Should have been in hospital while that in bedroom instead. Poor thing. Oh but my Practical and yet appropriate as always. As you said repeatedly, there's little point in dwelling on the past. No, come here, my love. Not a thing to fear, my love. What's dead is dead. The history of the world, my pet. Oh, Mr. Todd, oh, Mr. Todd, leave it to me. Is learn forgiveness and try to forget. I'd see Mr. Todd would be comfy because if I'd see Mr. Todd, but there's no one knows him. And life is for the alive, my dear. So let's keep living it. Just keep living it. Really living it. And shout out to Len Carew, original Sweeney Todd, who on the soundtrack, who's like, oh no. It's like the I love that. It's so like inhuman. It sounds so weird. I, I mean, it. it's it's one of those things as an actor where like you're being asked to portray the honest truth of an emotion that is so horrible and out in, yeah. in, and, and outlandish in the situation too. It's like yeah, you have how no you... frame of reference for this. Yeah, <laughs> like, you can't be like, oh, this feels like the time when blah blah. blah. It's like uh, the <laughs> Princess Bride, right? That is the sound of ultimate sadness. That is uh, yeah. Right? Like Literally. that's what it is. This yeah. is what he's he has to make the sound yeah. of ultimate sadness because it, the beggar woman uh, we've been trying to avoid saying it, uh, but it is Lucy Barker. It is his wife, yeah. and he has just murdered his own wife, who the object of this Ugh. entire thing, in a fit of just like Ugh. impatience. Ugh, I know it's so fucking awful. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is yeah. where I love that, like, all the class consciousness stuff kind of comes crashing down to a degree, which like that's all well and good. But, like, this is all you. This has nothing to do with any of that shit. You did this because of you, sweetie. Yeah. 
And, like, she was, even though, like, you're at the bottom of whatever, it's like, yeah, but she was below you and you treated her like that. Like, yeah. you you did see yourself as above this, like, crazy, quote-unquote, beggar woman. Yeah. So, and I, yeah. And then his reaction, first of the reaction is, oh, God, what have I done? And then to love it, you know, you lied to me. Yeah. And she says the like this is the like Obi Wan from a certain point of view bullshit. I love it. You know, yep. no, no, not lied at all. No one ever lied. Said, said I said she poisoned poison. herself. She, Never said yeah. she died. Never said that she died. Oh, God, see, and it goes back to the poor thing, uh, Melody, which is so. Fu- but it's like faster and more. Right, dramatic. and she finally reveals what happened. When she did poison herself, it didn't kill her. It just scrambled her. You know, she just ended up ruining her brain. Ugh. And she's you know been picking you know yeah. picking uh, you know spuds out of alley ash cans and stuff. And yeah. you know, would you want to have known that that's how she I ended loved up? Loved you. I'd be twice the wife shoot. It's just like really gross. It's really gross. It's it's awful, and it's such a like you know in, in the legal biz uh, we call this a lie by omission. You know, like yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, you didn't you didn't say anything dishonest is what you didn't tell him. And you think about all of the horrible things that have happened over the course of this show, and how much of it is her basically trying to engineer you know herself getting together with with Sweeney. A hundred percent. You know, and yeah. all of the murders and everything else. It doesn't. She just wanted to be with him. And it's yeah, like so which is dark. The craziest thing of all. It's like, oh no, you just had a crush. Like that's a much worse reason to do all these terrible things. <laughs> like, yeah, you yeah. Weirdo. I mean, it's really awful. And then he, we do one more bit of uh, uh, a little priest where it's the you know the, the waltz part, the and history she's, of the that's world. The other my reason. Love. Why by the sea needs to stay in the show for the record is because she reprises it in like antiphonal or I forget what the word is, but like he's like the history and he's like by the sea must the top of becoming governor. He's just, just like yeah. frantically like ah, remember I'm this gonna, we had a good I'm time. Gonna, <laughs> talk him out of what he's about to do, which is uh, yeah, aw- it's he, really it's really he, cool. He waltzes her right into the, her oven, which is a right fitting end for oven. her. Yeah. And, yeah, and she gets burned alive, it's worth. So she does get the worst death because everyone else is getting their throat slit. They're dead. They go in the oven. She's going right in the fucking oven and burning alive. So she does get. And to the movie's <laughs> the credit, the, to the movie's credit, they do take advantage of the fact that they can do much more in terms of making that grotesque. Oh, and I don't her, remember this. Either. Oh, yeah, you watch really Helena. Gross. Yeah, you watch Helena Bonham oh, Carter no. like scream they, and burn. Like, Raiders of the Lost Ark, her kind of. Does she melt a little bit? Uh, basically, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> cool. it's real gruesome and uh, a bit fitting. You know, it works. You know, it fits the story. And, and then yeah. the very end is great too be- with Toby because I think it points to this never-ending cycle of shit because he's like the most innocent person in the whole musical, whether he's a child or he's an adult who, you know, is mentally deficient. He is like an innocent, you know, like we think of that trope, like the innocent child or like the simple, like whatever the terms are more appropriate than the ones we used to use. Like we think of that as embodying innocence. And then it's like, Oh, he gets corrupted because now he he is killing the ultimate evil, but he's still a killer. Like it's like he now he's taken a life. Yeah, he Oops. he he wanders <laughs> he wanders out of the sub basement where he's been during these events hiding. His hair is yeah. now white. His hair is white. It's he been is, ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> 
but but like yeah he he's has broken. had a traumatic experience he is fully broken he has lost whatever capacity he has we are led to believe his hair has turned white and he immediately commits murder so it's like oh no i think you've officially lost your innocence as well like it just fucking sucks and uh, as he kills sweeney and that's when um Joanna and Anthony and the cops like burst in to find this scene. Yeah. Oh, we oh, left out we the left part where Sweeney Todd almost kills his own fucking daughter when yeah. she like comes out of the trunk, right? Right. Oh! She's, she's hiding in the trunk while Sweeney kills in her sailor's mother. Sailor's clothes. Yeah. yeah. Oh god, that's so shitty. And he like straight up almost. How does he not kill her? Is that a choice uh, there's that he some, makes, or does something no. happen? Uh, in, in the sta- at least in the stage production, there's some kind of a distraction, and she gets away. Yeah, yeah, um, but it's like he might have also killed his daughter. Like, oh, it's so goddamn I, dark. And I'm yeah, trying yeah, to remember yeah. in the movie if there's like, because they they can linger on a little more. That maybe there's a bit of a hint of a recognition or something. But he lets her. I don't know. Yeah, he lets her go because I feel like, I think he doesn't recognize because she's dressed as a sailor. Like it's very and he's never seen her. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, so fucking dark. Yeah. And I also love, we also skipped, it's such a minor moment, but when Anthony is rescuing her and, oh, you know what song we skipped that I really love is we oh, skipped sure. Kiss Me, which shout oh, out yeah. to Kiss Me in Act One. That's a really fun, I just, I love patter songs and that is a, that's an A plus patter song. Have but you I been watching Only in... Murders in the Building? I have to ask. No. Oh. Every, I know I'm the worst person alive. I need to. There's all. It's, it's just I haven't heard that phrase used so much. But in season three of the show, um, so there's excited. a musical okay. that's being I put really, on. I've yeah. gotten. Yeah, I need to start. I mean, obviously, I need to start from season one. But like, yeah, yeah. I need to start watching this show because everyone keeps telling me about that. But yeah, mm-hmm. I love a patter song. Mm-hmm. It is Sondheim's perhaps greatest skill. Um, and I love how when he has rest, when Anthony has rescued Joanna in act two, and they're like literally fleeing through a city that is a actually on fire. Like there are fires and two, just people from the asylum, just like in the, like the definition of crazy people in the streets. Pandemonium. And she just stopped. Pandemonium! Cats and dogs. Yeah, all of it. Um, and she just stops and does the callback, the little reprise where she's like, you said you... That was last August. Kiss me. And he just like looks at her like... That's the moment where I'm thinking he's like, uh-oh. Did she get a little fucked up in this asylum? <laughs> like, yeah. like, she's still, but, like, does she not get what's going on here? But that moment is really fucked up, too, where she's still trying to live in this moment while everything is falling apart. And he's like, not not right now, honey. Yeah. And <laughs> like, I do like, really so the, dark. at the very end, so when Toby is, he doesn't just slice Sweeney's throat immediately he kind of like comes up to him and Sweeney just sort of like bats him away like like Sweeney in theory should just like overpower this kid and kill him but he's done. But like, Sweeney's lost. He, yeah. This is it. He's done. Like, he's ready to die. Like, it's just... surprising that Sweeney Todd doesn't like slit his own throat. I bet they he probably talked about would. that in the writer's room. I bet they were like, how should we end this? Should he kill himself? And then they were like, no, it's darker if the innocent kills. <laughs> like, yeah. I bet that yeah. was a discussion. And so, yeah, he's, uh, I do like the way this is staged in the movie where, so Toby yeah. slices his throat and like in a way that you can't do on stage, all the blood drips down from his neck onto oh. Lucy, who he's cradling. Oh, and like, it's, it, it's just this really great um, tableau. It's a great tableau. Tableau. Hells yeah. 
Sure, sure. And uh, then we get the re- the reprise at the end uh, for Attend the Tale of Sweeney Todd. Um, mm-hmm. And this sort of, you know, that's it. That's the end of the show. Is they they sort of repeat what you heard. That, that was it. That was the tale of Sweeney Todd and how awful it yeah. was. And uh, that's and the end. then isn't there? That's where the line is. Isn't that Sweeney there beside you or something like that? Where they're like, there are Sweeneys everywhere. Like everyone is hurting and crazy, and you'll probably get killed by someone in some way. There's something. Good night. You know, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. I can't remember the lyrics to this as well, but yeah, there there is there is definitely something in there that. There's the you idea know, that it's perhaps like so that perhaps many today people. you gave a nod to Sweeney Todd. Oh yeah, yeah, beautiful, yeah. And so there's that idea of like you don't know. It's I mean it's sort of a cooler telling of the like you don't know what battles people are. <laughs> it's like that idea of like you don't know who is out there with like bloodthirsty revenge on their mind and who is wrong to and who has raped a woman. Like and you're just like saying like hey to these people and one of them might kill you and eat you. So and all good of luck it. out there. Like Yeah, and I think it goes back to that theme of like our society, our mechanized horrible society creates these people. Because, because like you've got the awful, you've got all the horrible things going on in London already, and then all of this is caused by the judge's original sin, right? He sets all of this in motion. The worst piece of shit of all. Uh, Yeah, he's by far and away the worst piece of shit. Even though he does the least gory, he gets his hands the least dirty, but he is the worst motherfucker of them all by far. Um, Yeah, man. And it's true. It's all true. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Lauren, here we are at the end of uh, of the show, and we you know, attended the tale. We we attended the tale, <laughs> and uh, so tell me why you think it is that this show endures. You know, why do you think it is that people still would want to? Like, yeah, they're doing. They're doing. They're doing it again with Josh Groban right now. You know, so we got to put they Sweeney sure Todd are. back on on Broadway. I'm so interested to see that guy's interpretation because to me, as I mentioned earlier, he has such a sweet baby face. I don't know. I I hope he's pulling it off well, but I look at him and I'm like, he's a sweet little Josh Groban. So yeah. Um. But okay. Oh, well, do you have? Intel I was just gonna say, yeah. Have you com- seen any clips no, just, or anything? No, just that, like George Hearn, like you know, compared to Josh Groban, like George Hearn, who that you guy watch. looks scary as fuck. Yeah, yeah not in an interview. <laughs> he looks like a normal guy, but like in in makeup and everything, like he looks yeah. like a bruiser. Like he, he looks that guy scary. Will, he's physically imposing. Exactly, exactly. But I hope that Josh Bro- Groban is doing a fantastic job, and I love the chick who's playing Mrs. Lovett. I love her and stuff I've seen her in. So I bet she yeah. is slaying. Okay. Anyway, to answer yeah, your question. Yeah. So yeah, what I do you think, think it is that makes this thing stay relevant all these years later? Why do people love it? So well, much? one, it is relevant and becomes more relevant the more you mature and realize that the themes are 100 percent true. I am a big believer in yes, the world is shit. <laughs> I'm more optimistic than Sweetie in that I think I believe the world is shit and most people are evil. So because of that, you find your little pod of people who aren't and you cling to them and you protect them and you form communities. So that's where me and Sweeney divert. (laughs) But I absolutely do believe that the foundation of the world is an evil machine that will grind you up and spit you out and doesn't care. And most people are bad. So I do think the message is timeless. (laughs) 
things. And the darker, the darker the times get and the more our class divide. Because I do think, I think it's fair to say we have, we are dealing with a bigger class divide now than at the time that Sweeney Todd first opened. I think that is like our disappearing middle class situation, I think is a lot worse now than it was at the time. that. So it feels very, very relevant in terms of those above and those below and that gap between the two and the discrepancy there. So I think it is timeless in its message. It is also served by being timeless in that it takes place in oldie times, which, you know, like Rent feels dated as a motherfucker because when it came out, it was like so, so relevant. And now you're like, oh, God, it's like cringy. But Sweeney Todd was very old and like oven time when it came out. So it's never going to lose that effect. So I think it is really served by that. Um, and just what we've talked about, the music is so, it's his most operatic show, but it really does have everything. So if you're someone like me who like really loves a patter song, Jesus, it has so many of those and they're so good. If you're someone who enjoys a more classic, beautiful song, it's got Joanna, it's got pretty women, it's got these lyrical things. So it just has like so much no matter kind of what your musical theater taste is it's like somewhere in Sweeney Todd so I think that really helps it um and then you know high schools and colleges will keep this shit alive forever because they're always gonna do Sweeney Todd so like no matter what age you are you're always gonna I feel like to make it through your whole life and not see a production of Sweeney Todd assuming you're a theater person is difficult. Like, you're going to see it somewhere, and then you're going to, you know, discover the soundtrack, and you're going to become obsessed with it briefly. It's just very ever-present. Yeah. I I think the themes, as you said, are incredibly resonant and, you know, evergreen. But I think what makes it special is, one, obviously a horror musical is rare. There's very few of them. Sure. Yeah, people love horror, too. I mean, there's this, there's Phantom, there's Little Shop of Horrors, which is Mm -hmm. way more comedy. There's Ruthless. I mean, there's a few of them. Oh, I don't Um, Ruthless. Yeah, but, like, I, I... for me, like this one is the most sophisticated of them. It, the music is the most challenging. Mm. Um, yeah, it is the darkest. It is sure. the it's the darkest, but also I think that it's the for all of the themes and like the comedy beats and everything else, kind of the human aspect of the story to me. Yeah. Like the the brilliant kind of revenge tragedy that this is. Like if it didn't come full circle yeah. with that tragedy at the end, like. The, the way Sweeney becomes the architect of his own downfall combined with Ugh. Mrs. Lovett's lies that sort of yeah. are the the engine underlying everything. I think that stuff is what turns this into like a class A ghost story without any mm. ghosts in it. Um, sure, but it feels sure. like it feels like the best campfire story um, set to the most incredible yeah. music and clever lyrics great you've twists. ever heard. Yeah, great twists. Yeah, that's so, a good point. Yeah, that's a good point. It, it's a it's just a great oh, fucking yeah. show. Uh, so Lauren, if people want to find you and your amazing stuff, where do they find it? Oh, shucks. Yeah. Um, okay. I tweet every single thought that comes into my brain, uh, at, at Lauren Flans. Um, uh, I don't call it X because that's stupid. So I will be on Twitter until it, you know, literally combusts or I have to pay. Uh, but I'm also on blue sky at the same at Lauren Flans on Instagram. I'm Lauren underscore Flans. Uh, but if you want to hear me talk a lot in like a less, uh, 
I was going to say like self-focused, but I guess less Sweeney Todd focused way. Uh, I do have uh, a podcast, as Doug mentioned, it is called Coming Out Pod. Uh, and what it is, is queer folks come on and they tell their coming out stories, whatever that particular phrase means to them. Um, and it's just, it's, it's really cool. Uh, and occasionally I have guest co-hosts uh, sit in with me. Um, so yeah, Coming Out Pod, and that is on all of the platforms or comingoutpod.com. Cool. And I think those are my main things, yeah. Well, there you go. I, I highly encourage everyone to check out the show because it is great. Even if you're not LGBTQ, I think there's a lot there. Yeah, it's, if you're it's an a wonderful ally, show. you'll like it. Yeah. Good stories. Um, to do a little admin on our side, if you like our show, you can find us on, I don't call it Twitter either. I'll just go with Roman numeral 10. At, oh, that's good. Yeah, at, like that. We're at Nostalgium Pod there. We're also at Nostalgium Pod on Blue Sky. Uh, and then you can find us on threads and Instagram at uh, Nostalgia Arcana. And then I would recommend if you're going to follow us anywhere, go to Instagram because I post bonus stuff. Uh, that's where it's going to go. And uh, if you have thoughts on this episode or our recent Halloween-ish stuff, which includes, uh, let's see, Resident Evil 4 and uh, It's the Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown. Uh, before that, we did an episode <laughs> uh, on our favorite Queen song. So those are the last few going back. Coming up next, I'm not 100% sure because I'm recording things out of order and uh, I'm just trying to figure things out as I go as real life stuff gets in the way. So uh, just throwing tracks in front of the train uh, at this point, but um, I'll figure it out and I'll probably just tack something onto the episode letting you know what's up next. So um, hope you all enjoyed that. Lauren, thanks again for coming on. I, I, this is such a great joy, joy to revisit. This was so fun like i haven't really thought about sweeney todd in so many years but it really is a testament to how much i listened to it in high school it is drilled in my brain i have straight up not listened to the soundtrack in like probably a decade but i remember everything about it so and now you have an excuse to go do it again right all right folks thank you you. and uh until next time that is one more entry in the nostalgia arcana Those pies look good. Open your gullet, you human blob. Well, what do you think? What do I think of the pie? What do I think of the pie? Goodness gracious, it's delicious. That's what I think of the pie. Because I've had apple, I've had cherry, blue and straw and boysenberry. But of all the pies they bake, key lime takes the cake. Because... Should we follow him? I'm on vacation.